Christian. He's Jimmer. And we're back with 2021's first new episode of Two Physical Therapists and a Bag of Chips. Yeehaw! Goodbye, 2020. Turns out 2021 is just like 2020. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's all sorts of weird stuff happening. Nothing. We still can't, for some reason, assume that the election has occurred and, and concluded that no, situation yet. Nothing so. different happened. So, we're just uh, moseying right into 2021. We should have skipped 21 and just went straight into 22. Brighter days ahead. Wow, that's deep. Oh, man, that was good. Yeah, and there's going to be some good chips. Fire-roasted jalapeno kettle-style potato chips. From Red Rock Deli. Actual potato chips. Made from, guess what? Potato. Yeah, that's right. Dude, it's got no artificial flavors or colors. No, this is the real upright. This this right hue of thing. green is all natural. It's all jalapeno. All jalapeno. But yeah. before we get to that, we're going to discuss the tibial tubercle osteotomy, also known as a tibial tuberosity osteotomy, or a TTO, which works for both. I like TTT, tibial tuberosity transfer. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Huh? Triple T. I didn't even think of that. Triple T. Guy Fieri, you got nothing on us, man. Right. We got T's instead We're of D's. Teeing it up. Uh, what this procedure does is it changes the insertion point of the patella tendon. It moves it typically uh, more laterally, but I guess you could do it more medially if you needed to in the particular case. But this is done to change the line of pull of the quad on the patella tendon, and that is supposed to help reduce patellar instability. Ta-da! Also, it's apparently done to help with osteoarthritic issues. So if you want to change the position of the, the wear point, I guess, on the patella, you can do that through this as well. You also use it in cases of patella baja or patella alta, which is when your patella rides high or low. And apparently you do it with a stiff total knee when you do a revision surgery, but I've never, ever heard of that. No. I was just thinking... It used to be that they would just do a patellectomy if you had osteoarthritis of the patella. Mm -hmm. But that must have been too simple of a surgery. I mean, it's still... It, I mean, you just do the underside now, right? The partials. Yeah, or they you do the just do a patellar cleanup. Or you do an osteotomy. osteotomy. Why would you do an osteotomy without doing a tibial osteotomy if you're looking at realignment? It's a great question. Why not just change that? I mean, the other big one with this is that they'll talk about femoral antiversion. So if you really want to change the line of pull, address it at the hip, which is probably where it's really coming from. Right. And then it would make a lot more sense to start worrying about strength first or mechanical alignment. That's a great... Oh, man. Do something before you surgerize? That's a great idea. Dude. Yeah. What a change. So there's three main techniques for this. There's the elm sill trilliate technique, which is essentially where you cut directly straight across. There's the Fulkerson technique, which is an anterior medial cut. And then there's the now defunct maquet technique, which is an anteriorization method. So the tibial tuberosity is fully removed, and, in, and then it is raised with graft bone underneath. Hmm. Uh, this should not be done because necrosis is a huge problem. <laughs> I so, wonder, wonder why. So let's, uh, let's stay away from those. So you really have just the m trillet and the Fulkerson technique. They're very similar techniques 
One, when done with the anterior medial approach, will actually raise the uh, tibial tuberosity slightly, make it slightly more prominent, uh, whereas the other one will just shift it medial or lateral. Uh, there'll be some photos for sure this week related to that on the old Instagram and Twitter. I wonder what happens if you, if you do this with somebody who's had Oshkosh slaughters and they already have an elevated tibial tuberosity. You know, it's really hard to see if there's any sort of correlation between Oshkosh slaughters and, and patellar instability. My guess is probably not that common. So there may be some benefit to having Oshkosh slaughters in terms of tightening things up. Yeah, or just helping in some way, shape, or form with patellar stability. But, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to But generally speaking, with Oshkosh slaughters, we see individuals who, who do struggle a little bit with hip stabilization and uh, particularly internal rotation and adduction issues, the valgus, consistent valgus. So Similar mechanics. So I wonder more again if there's more relationship between Oshkosh slaughters and, and femoral antiversion or something along those lines as well. Probably. Yeah, definitely possible. It, it's one of those um, situations, right, where for the longest time people have tried to figure out how they can improve patellofemoral tracking with or without surgery. Like we've talked about taping before. Mm -hmm. and, um, but, it, but it looks like, you know, doing a lateral release and a medial reefing, that, for the longest time that was the, we, we would see two, three patients a week that had that done. And that surgery is kind of by the wayside now. I mean, I can't think of the last time we saw it. It's been it's been uh, over a year. Bit, even yeah, I can't remember five years maybe. Five years. Yeah, but but so just just throwing that out there. I know that there's there's times when an osteo tibial osteotomy can definitely be indicated if you have a, a chronically loose patella. But anyways. I digress. Not Sorry really. I interrupted your train no, of thought. not even a little bit. Um, there's a relatively small sample size of data related to this. There, there was one uh, systematic review that I was not able to get access to, unfortunately. But average patient appears to be a female, pretty dominant female, about 84.2% yeah, of... Yeah, you could say that's pretty dominant. Of all TTOs are performed on females. The average age is 29.6. Whoa, so, that's young. So relatively young. Um, the average time to return to sport is 7.8 months, uh, with 77.5% reporting prior level or improved function following. Prior level seems like a pretty low bar, honestly. <laughs> Let's go through this extensive surgery and rehab period and then end up right where we started. Spend eight months minimum yeah. going back to the same place. Uh, you know... I guess that the theory there would be, you know, we made sure that it didn't get worse, I guess. I mean, yeah, the long-term follow-up would be interesting. Unfortunately, this, this relatively small report that I was able to read didn't have a long-term follow-up, unfortunately, there. It's interesting that it's um, not, not interesting or surprising to us, obviously, that it's predominantly females. But that, that seems to lead into that it's probably more of a mechanical problem. Well, I mean, a we know, again, problem, yeah. femoral antiversion, uh, yeah. you know, is, is much higher. Well, Q, Q more, angle. Yeah, Q angle, much more prominent in, in women, a larger Q angle. I mean, knock knee position, again, always comes into play. If the line of pull from your hip to your ankle is, is medial, then you're going to have a lateral tendency for your patella. Yep. And so, 
I mean, it's really pretty common to look at someone and say they likely have would benefit more from a you know a hip stability protocol versus like a quad strengthening protocol. Right. Yeah. Or um, can you can you get mechanical realignment before you get surgical realignment or yeah. improve mechanical? I mean, that's what brings us. So PT following a, a surgery like this begins the day of surgery. Uh, you get to the outpatient clinic basically as soon as possible. Step one, get the quad going. Step 1A, a fusion control, range of motion, walking, strengthening, return to sport. I mean, everything you do here outside of getting the quad going is exactly the same thing you would do if you didn't have surgery. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the only difference between these two is, is one is going to guarantee that you spend 7.8 months until you get back to sports, <laughs> and the other one is going to be perhaps you can continue to participate in your sports. Perhaps you take a, a, a month or two to, to really address some of your weaknesses before you go back. Now, um, having said all that, obviously there are cases where they've tried all of that, right? Yeah. And nothing works. So then yeah. the surgical alternative is a... Um, is our last attempt at stabilizing the kneecap. Um, in which case, yeah, you know, you, you've done a lot of your prehab already. So <clears throat> it would just be a matter of yeah. reaffirming what you've already been taught. I mean, it's without a doubt worth going through a non-surgical approach for at least a period of time. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a case where you know, failure of non-surgical treatment is in any way, shape, or form not beneficial to you. No, what's the downside? You get an extra patellar dislocation. Yeah. You've probably had more than one already. I mean, I hope you'd have more than one before you do a surgery. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is certainly something that's saved for, for a chronic dislocator. dislocator. Yeah. <clears throat> Somebody who steps down, the, you know, up the, the curb and, and dislocates, or it's, it's clearly... A, a dysfunctional process. I don't have a number in mind necessarily, but certainly recurrent would need to be part of it. Yeah. 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 I would say recurrent would be more than five. Yeah. I don't know where I pulled that number from, but five sounds like a good number. I mean, and the space in between them is also important. If right. you have one yeah. every year for five years, that's probably not that significant. If you have one every two weeks, I mean, that's substantially more problematic. Uh, yeah, then, then it becomes a dysfunctional problem. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So just be careful with these. Certainly make sure you stay away from the maquette technique if this is something you uh, <laughs> you go down. Hopefully no one's doing that anymore. Joey maquette shows up in your yeah. in your, uh, your appointment. Yep. So no anteriorization method, please. Uh, the other two methods appear to be be quite similar in terms of overall results at the end of the day um, and some of that again may just be surgeon specific so be careful trivia wise, time wise words trivia this was not a very successful trivia was it no what happened the first lord of the treasury is better known as the prime minister uh no guesses this week not none at, at all more specifically the prime minister of england yes sorry the prime minister Yep. Of the United Kingdom. Uh, so the first Lord of the Treasury is head of the commission exercising the ancient office of Lord High Treasurer in the United Kingdom and is by convention also the Prime Minister. There you have it. Per the Merriam-Webster definition, the principal Lord Commissioner of the Treasury whose office has only nominal official duties but is usually held by the British Prime Minister. 
I guess Americans are still trying to figure out how their government works. Not too interested in uh, the, the English form of government. I mean, clearly there's something to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This week's trivia question, which planet is closest to Earth? Ah, we're talking. This is going to generate some responses. Sure, this can vary, obviously, depending on orbital patterns, etc., etc. But but which one gets the closest in with with a, at any point in time? In in absolute distance, as the crow flies. Yeah. Should the crow be able to fly that far? There you go. Have you ever heard of the geographical paradox? No. It's kind of fascinating. I don't think we'll talk about it. Why not? So the geographical paradox says that the closer or the smaller the unit of measurement you use to measure the coastline, the more infinite that coastline becomes. Yeah, I can see that. So if you use like 100 kilometers and you make 100 straight shots along the coastline, you have a coastline of X times 100. When you go down to the molecular level, you can go literally X times infinity, basically. But, but I think that's the case with most that's anything. measurements, yeah. But they did this because it relates specifically to the Spanish-Portuguese border. Ooh. Where the Spanish and Portuguese came up with how long their shared border was, and they weren't within any unit <laughs> of comparable measurement. So That's because they used meters, those Europeans. So as you get closer and closer to something. micrometers. Yeah, huh. which, is, which is interesting. But it goes back to our trivia question about the largest, or, or the, the country with the most coastline. Right. Yeah. So, well, but if you consistent, consistently apply the same measurement, then it still is. Yeah, you would have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Do we do we ask that at some point? We did. Okay, so we can give the answer. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Canada. Okay. Yeah. Switz- yeah, Switzerland. Switzerland. Everybody knows that. Everyone, you know, the state with the most coastline is always fascinating too. Right. That's the weird one. Yeah. We won't tell you that one. No. You that one. That one will come back. Chip time. Woo! These look good. Fire roasted jalapeno. Compliments of Mr. Peter Jennings. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Red Rock Deli. This is the uh, somewhat Australian. The infamous Red Rock Deli from, um, is it from Ayers Rock? It's like Purchase, New York, but it's also like Australia. It's well, something. Purchase, there's a school there. Yeah, yeah. somebody went to school there. Don't know SUNY who. Purchase. I know Seven Anderson Hill Road. Road. There's, there's, a, there's a really good restaurant on Anderson Hill Road, too. Called the Fire Forge. roasted to unlock life's flavor. It's quite delicious. Jalapeno is the spice of life. Now is the time to let your taste buds feel alive. Nice, to give it up. nice thick chip. There's a sprinkling, a, a dusting of, uh, I assume, jalapeno on there. I, I, I don't know. But kettle chips, always the best. Great crunch. Not a lot of heat up front. It's kind of an airy chip, which is nice. It's crispy and um, airy. It's good. Oh. Now I'm getting a little bit of jalapeno, but good flavor. Yeah. Um, a little smoky, not like a barbecue smoky, but um, I like it. What a way to start the year. Good. I'm going to give it two thumbs up right off the bat here. Yeah, I'm with you. It's not spectacular, but it's really good. It's a very solid, consistent chip here. I think I can fit this in my mouth. This is a big one. I think you can fit it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's good. Oh. Well done. I don't think we um, we got the full... Uh, we need some more. Yeah, 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 we should probably dabble again. Oh, look at that folding. 
One more tree. You have the foldy. I'm gonna take this bubbly. All right. I'll take that as a massive foldy. Yeah, mm -hmm. these are good. Yep. Go ahead and get yourself some. Uh, well done, Red Rock Deli. Fire roasted jalapeno Red Rock Deli. Delightful. Delightful. Mm -mm -mm. Well, thank you for listening today. Next week we're gonna cover Little League Elbow. Oh, that's a good one. And then we're going to review the Sabritas Turbos Flamas, compliments of Judy Bloomberg. Little League Elbow. Mm -hmm. We should interview Dr. Andrews. Should we? No. James, do you think he's out there? think he's available? He is. Uh, if you like today's episode, please tell your friends, follow, review, subscribe. Like I said, we will be posting more information on this topic on our Instagram and Twitter throughout the week. If you want to see some visuals and stuff, definitely check that out. For more information on Rebounds Therapy, check out the website, reboundclinic.com. He's Jim or I'm Christian. Thanks for listening.